0: Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host Ricard Silvestre, and today we have a great episode. We are at the end of October, therefore we are also at the end of the month for cybersecurity. So I welcome today Nina Ullesson. Nina is the senior policy manager at the European Cybersecurity Organization, or EXO, from now on, and she's also the manager and supervisor of Women for Cyber. Naturally, we're going to talk about the work done by ESSO, but also we're going to focus on the importance of these two initiatives, which is Women for Cyber and Youth for Cyber. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of November. I'm here with Nina Olsen. Nina, thank you so much for coming to the podcast.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, Ricardo.
0: As we are finishing the month of cybersecurity, you're the right person for us to end the cycle of podcasts, not only because what you do, but also the work that it's done by ECSO. And let's start with that. Please describe us, European cybersecurity organization. What is that you guys do and particularly what you do in, in the organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the European Cybersecurity Organization, or EXO for short, uh, was established in 2016, time with the primary aim of becoming the private counterpart to the European Commission in the contractual public-private partnership uh, on cybersecurity, or CPPP, mm-hmm. as we call it for short. So we uh, we were set up to kind of um, engage in this partnership with the European Commission that was focusing mainly on uh, research and innovation. So implementing cybersecurity aspects uh, into the research and innovation work programs of the of the European Commission. But when we set up EXO, we also wanted, I mean, knowing how complex the cybersecurity field is, we wanted to set it up to go beyond I to look also towards what we call the more industrial policy activity. So and also certainly to be self sustainable because actually the CPPP was mm-hmm. a four year contract that actually came to an end uh, at the end of last year of 2020 so now we're continuing our partnership with them but we're focusing on so much more than R&I so basically we set ourselves up across six working groups one was then the de facto CPPP working group really providing the inputs to the strategic research and innovation agenda and then we also have working groups focusing on things like standardization and certification issues. So looking at supply chain issues. Uh, then we have one on, on market aspects and investment and uh, one on looking at the different vertical applications. So, of course, you're going to have looking at cybersecurity, finance, energy, healthcare. And then we also have a working group focusing more on uh, SME and regional uh, aspects. So there's a very strong SME. And, so we, we do a lot of activities there as well. Then uh, finally, also a working group on education, training uh, and awareness and getting more people into the cybersecurity workforce, but also raising awareness and uh, harmonizing education. We're focusing on those main issues uh, uh, with, with our members. We're a membership association. We have about 270 members today, something like that. And what's interesting is that we really represent the entire cybersecurity ecosystem. So you're looking at everything from like large companies, solution and service providers, users and operators, SMEs, regions, as I mentioned earlier, and then, of course, also uh, research uh, institutions, universities, academia, but also the uniqueness of EXO of also when we were a PPP is, is that we have national public administrations as, as full members.
0: This is fantastic, and particularly I'm quite impressed with the number of stakeholders that you have. So tell us a little bit how the, you know, the machinery works then when you're talking about from academia to small and medium enterprises to, you know, regional governance, how then you do you do you make all this fit in in a larger puzzle?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I think that's it's very much also the fascinating part of our work, right, is to try and bring together these different stakeholders around the table and try and consolidate some viewpoints, some inputs uh, from all of them. You know, it, it, depending on the topics, there really will be, uh, um, let's say, different interests <laughs> that are involved on, on certain topics, but there are also some that are much more focused on you know community building, capacity and capability building, where pretty much everyone always is on the same page. So it's quite easy to 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 just leverage the ecosystem of stakeholders and build something something up. But yeah, we we just try and and run it as best as we can through our working groups and 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 try to bring the the, the people together around the table and try to and really take on uh, ensure that all our members' sort of interests and positions are taken into account. So that we as EXO, can provide outwardly and externally a a consolidated and a
0: community-driven approach. For our listeners, what Nina explained can be easily perceived by just visiting ESCO's website. And I'm going to put it on the show links of the podcast. So please do that because it reflects very well what Nina just explained. But the other thing that is really, really cool on the website, it's the amount of information that you guys generate and that is a lot of reports a lot of you know position papers a lot of position stands this of course done to ensure that you reach not only those stakeholders but the community so go a little bit how that thing works.
1: yeah so it's interesting because obviously we didn't when we set up EXO, we didn't like set ourselves up with nothing <laughs> from the get-go we had founding members but we also had founding documents so we had uh, developed an initial strategic research and innovation agenda, and also an industrial policy um, strategy for cybersecurity. And we kind of used those documents to, uh, as a foundation to build up our working groups and the structure of how we wanted to work, the the, the priorities that we wanted to work on. And that was our baseline. That's where we started from. from then on. And until now, and from now, the the, 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 no, the approach has, has always been we base ourselves on the needs and priorities of our members. So the working, the working groups will gather, the members will express, okay, what are some of the most important topics that we need to work on right now? Mm-hmm. What are some of uh, the important maybe legislations or regulations? What? Uh, what are some of the important networks or communities we need to tap into and then we kind of build up our work from there and usually we'll have you know chairs or editors that are maybe driving the work uh, along with the support of the secretariat but we really try and base it on on the running priority and needs of 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 the members and i you said you know this, there is a lot of information on on the website and perhaps even a little bit too much to to wrap your head around sometimes, but but you know it's because we do we do a lot of things, but um but those kind of outputs that we produce can be categorized I guess a little bit differently because there will be your traditional let's say policy outputs you know we've done uh, input to certification schemes, uh, position papers on SIZOs and so on, um, but then we also look at more the market aspects as I mentioned earlier so we market taxonomy. And then, you know, some of the things that I, I personally work a little bit more on is these sort of human aspects and capacity building aspects, things, uh, outputs, uh, documentation that is more geared towards raising awareness on certain topics. We we, we wrote a paper last year on understanding cyber ranges, for instance, uh, uh, this called From Hype to Reality, because not a lot of people understand even what a cyber range is, which is completely normal. Um, but we tried to kind of explain that in a document in, a, in as layman terms as we as we could. So so there's a lot of things out there. And then, of course, we also have what we call our concrete activities. We have some specific initiatives. We have a, 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 a cybersecurity made in Europe label. We have a, a women for cyber, youth for cyber. We have some different initiatives.
0: And we're going to get into those ones next. Uh, but for our listeners, Christmas break is coming. If you want to read some really cool uh, documentation about cybersecurity, again, ECSO, it's the place to go. And exactly, <laughs> Nina, you were just mentioning mentioning those two very important activities. Let's go one at a time. Let's stay first uh, on Women for Cyber, where you are the coordinator and supervisor of the activity itself. This is of course extremely important and tell us why.
1: Uh, it is important and I won't hide the fact that it's something I'm very proud of and that kind of grew into its own thing and its own animal and and, and so on. But um, what happened um, was that I think maybe have seen the report that came out around 2017-2018 that was projecting a cybersecurity security skills gap. Of about 350,000 experts um, in Europe by 2022, um, and it was a huge thing at the time. Trying to to focus on, you know, how can we address this skills gap? We thought about, well, you know, there seems to be a, a largely untapped segment of the of the uh, of the audience there, and so basically with. Women for Cyber, what we decided to do is set it up as an initiative, primarily as a response to the growing demand for cybersecurity. So we had a launch event in January of 2019, where we, you know, invited around 30 top European female leaders from the public, private and academic sectors working in the cybersecurity field. And we invited them to become founding members of the initiative. And we had this kickoff meeting that was under the patronage of then Commissioner for Digital Economy and Society, Maria Gabrielle and with the support of the European Commission's DG Connect. And then mm-hmm. at this meeting, the founding members discussed priorities for concrete actions to set the strategic guidelines and also the vision for a kind of sustainable future of the initiative. And we, we use those elements to sort of slowly promote the initiative, launch some first activities. We had a social media campaign to showcase female role models in cybersecurity. We set up a dedicated LinkedIn group um, and, and, and so on. And, what we saw was that, I guess, given the importance of the issue, not only of, of the skills gap, but certainly um, getting more women into the field, right, we, we had a, a, an overwhelmingly positive response. And so we actually decided to establish a legal body in September of 2019 to, to support the growth of the initiative. And so that was when Women for Cyber Foundation uh, was born. And so it has its own governing administration body to manage donations and monitor the implementation of actions. And it also includes a a, a council, an advisory council, which is made up of some of those founding members, but also other advocates of the initiative. And so, yeah, as a foundation, Mm -hmm. we're entirely reliant on donations and sponsorship. And uh, for the time being, so, of course, EXO is kind of providing that link of the secretarial support and, and so on. But t- today, uh, so with a, as a foundation in its own right, our, our main goal is to encourage and promote the skilling, upskilling and reskilling of girls and women towards cybersecurity education and profession with the aim, as I said, to reduce the cyber. Dis- uh, cyber- cybersecurity skills gap, sorry, and, and also highlight the potential and added value of women in, in those roles. And I should also add here, actually, that Women for Cyber advocates a fully uh, inclusive approach. So we're open to women and men. Uh, we obviously may be focusing more on attracting uh, girls and women to cyber, the cybersecurity scene, but it's really with the aim of reaching a more gender balanced and ultimately uh, diverse field.
0: But this, uh, tell me something, Nina, this is more directed to the enterprise environment? So you're trying to recruit women to work on cybersecurity and then they provide a service? Or this also goes into you know, the day-to-day dealings with Internet and with being online all the time?
1: So it really, is dealing with everything. I mean, we have a roadmap of actions that we've actually recently um, updated uh, that's available on the website, which is womenforcyber.eu. And there you'll see the different work streams that we as a foundation are working towards. And that includes a number of different actions, widespread, and also covering different uh, entry points uh, in, in cybersecurity. We call it pre-entry, entry and post-entry. Pre-entry, we're looking really more into mm-hmm. like everything from school to, to university level. And then um, uh, entry will be more like okay, what about that first experience uh, in in cybersecurity or getting into the job market? Or or, then post entry, we're looking more into okay, women who may wish to reskill or upskill themselves, or change career path, or coming back from maternity leave, and so on. So. Given that we start from very early and we intend to really also focus on, you know, young girls and kind of igniting their interest a little bit and showing them that it's what's possible in, in cybersecurity and, and what they can do, there's certainly also an awareness aspect, but it, it it is always, let's say, mainly with the goal of trying to 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 just, you know, increase the representativeness um in the field ultimately. Yeah.
0: Please, to our listeners, uh, keep following this because I'm sure that this will give a very, very important results in exactly, as you said, preparing an entire segment of Internet users and, and people who are many times a- a- at risk of being involved in some kind of cyber attack or cyber bullying, or, as you were saying, in schools, for example, that's, that's a, a, an important arena to... be on and with that and making a little bit of an overlap here you're talking about young girls you're talking about the schools for example the other one that caught my attention was youth for cyber and i do know that this is still on the conceptual stage right now but tell us a little bit what is behind also this project
1: yeah i I think it's it's a really um it's a good segue there because um definitely youth for cyber is is can be seen to intrinsically linked to the objectives of women for cyber in some way. Uh, but here we're, we're, we're talking much more about, let's say, the, the awareness raising and cyber hygiene uh, uh, aspects. But instead, uh, we are still uh, somehow in a conceptual phase, but we, we essentially have uh, launched the concept, the idea for this initiative for cyber, which we want to focus on, where we want to focus really at educating and raising the awareness of young people on cybersecurity. And so there are two core objectives. One Mm -hmm. is to raise the level of cyber hygiene in general. And two is to stimulate an interest for a career in cybersecurity among the European youth. And here, of course, we're not, uh, you know, we can see obvious collaboration opportunities between women for cyber and youth for cyber. But but youth for cyber is really looking at the the entire European uh, youth uh, demographic. And then the idea is really to go through a set of modules targeting these specific age groups where we work with teachers and trainers, the young kids about cyber hygiene and basic Mm -hmm. cybersecurity concepts, and then young adults on cybersecurity trends and the different possible career paths of cyber. And so we want to just have the methodology be geared towards presenting cybersecurity um, to the youth in a simple, coherent and engaging manner. So it also needs to be agile enough to be able to adapt to each national or local context, because obviously there there will be those contexts that will also be you know have to be taught in different languages. Uh, but the idea for us is to support developing some guidelines for a minimum level of content or topics to address uh, with each age group. And then hopefully this can, this can be used to develop a kind of harmonized approach to cyber hygiene and cybersecurity teaching for youth in, in the EU. You know, where we are today is that uh, we're currently exploring partnerships uh, uh, with other European and international associations to see how best to put the, the wheels in motion and, and implement at national level. Uh, but I really think that collaboration with local schools and universities will be really important here, and uh, and I do hope we'll make some progress on this in the new year.
0: Please do, because we need young people to uh, save us, the geezers the cyber cyber noobs (laughs) that don't know even how to change a password or to do a double checking kind of thing i don't even know what i'm talking about what i do know is that (laughs) we need the younger generation to tell us hey this is how you do it this is how you touch the the keyboard and i'm like oh really (laughs) so so please please keep doing that work and and bringing that
1: we'll keep on
0: and bring that entire generation of cybersecurity experts that will help us uh, live on the internet without too many too many problems. Wonderful. As unfortunately we're getting to the end of our conversation, and I will have you back because I, we want to keep following this two, particularly these two initiatives. One thing that I'm very interested in talking to you, and me being someone that spends most of his days online. And like I said, not a lot of hygiene, not on that particular, but on cyber (laughs) hygiene. Um, Nina, cybersecurity is ever an evolving field. There are new threats that are always on the horizon. We just came from severe ones that for example in the united states stopped the east coast from flowing of uh, oil because a pipeline was attacked with ransomware and then the package industry in the mid- midwest also in the united states also they they had an attack and then universities hospitals so this is really really scary tell us what it, what are the threats that really take your your sleep away
1: yeah um it's it's always an interesting question that one because there's there's a lot of things right depending on what particular area you're working on in cybersecurity you'll you'll obviously have your go-to thing that 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 keeps you worried and keeps you up at night like you say um i think that in terms of you know to to set the scene for my answer a little bit is that because i see one of the main things right now the important things is the digitalization of our society, right? So, mm-hmm. obviously, COVID-19 has accelerated uh, this digitalization and therefore enhanced the need for more cybersecurity due to, you know, provoking an increased attack surface. And we also know at the same time that, that technologies are continuously evolving, and so it's also very difficult to understand what our future is digital society will look like and, and what the effect of cybersecurity needs will be. But I think that on the one hand side, and that's obviously something that as EXO we, we are focusing on, is, is we need a comprehensive vision of the possible future scenarios and to de- define a global cybersecurity approach across strategic uh, digital technologies to face the threats and increase resiliency. For that, we need trusted solutions and ones that we master in Europe. I think the crisis has definitely shown the need for an increased autonomy in critical sectors. So cyber sovereignty should be one of the leading objectives for future investments, uh, just to sort of set the scene and and lay the groundwork. In terms of threats, you got ahead of me. So maybe uh, you, you are more knowledgeable in cyber than you think, because uh, for sure, uh, there are many, but uh, I would point to the ones, the vulnerabilities linked to this uh, digitalization for sure. And as we've seen, you know, cyber uh, crime is really on the up and the modus operandi is shifting more and more towards software engineering. So, you know, cyber criminals are really exploiting the human psychology to get people to give up information or to gain access. And so I think the solutions should also be human-centric and geared towards facilitating change in mindset and behaviours. But, uh, yeah, looking forward, I think that ransomware is definitely a big one for me. Um, I think it will represent an increasingly important threat, and it's already a major problem today, as you've already pointed to. You know, uh, there's, there's the pipeline attack in the U.S. I mean, it's really pervasive, and in hospitals and clinics, if the system. Go down. You're talking about life or death, right? So I think that's that's the main one that that irks me, you know, and that I see very apparent, and that comes up a lot, certainly also in the work uh, that I do uh, specifically here at, at Exo. And linked to that as well, which is another thing that I work a lot on, is is you know for me the best way to tackle this is, is increased awareness, right? So for for first of all, cyber hygiene should be ingrained in the fabric of our society, and everyone's thinking it should really become a common habit to just think twice about opening that email or trusting this link or that account or to keep your devices just as, as secure as possible. You know, I mean, if there's, is one thing that I hear all the time, you know, and it's a, a one piece of advice, to, if the user, uh, whether at home or at the office, it's patch, patch, patch. Everybody says that, right? Because a lot of cyber attacks that have been prevented if the systems were patched uh, and correctly updated. So, I mean, a lot of other threats could be mentioned and, you know, we, Often we talk about offensive and defensive measures, but I would say it's it's better to focus on preemptive measures, and I think that the awareness is really key there.
0: Well, you did make me a challenge, so I'm not going to let that challenge go unresponded, and that is one of them. Uh, that actually, that I I already have some work done in this area and published is cybersecurity re- related to election processes, also the one that takes my sleep at night when we see like Mm. it happen in Brexit referendum, in elections in Germany, in the Netherlands, of course, the example that happened in the United States that we know so well, but also in France with En Marche. So that is the thing that I think that kind of relentless attack and just to undermine mm-hmm. the faith on democratic processes and on, on, on democratic debate itself so that is one that if you need help you i'm, I, I'm here for you I can, I can i can be a part of the team
1: that's that's really really good to know and you know what uh, uh you know this uh, link with the security and, and safety of Democratic uh, systems is something that we'll be looking more into.
0: Wonderful. All right, as we're getting to the end of our time together, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell us where can people follow not only the work done by ESCO, but also if they want to follow you online. With the promise, of course, that I'm going to put all the links in the podcast description. But if you can give us just a, one or two entry points, what would be the ones that you'd tell? Our listeners to please know more about this and go here
1: uh, yeah so absolutely I mean apart from our website uh, as EXO, we're very uh, active on LinkedIn and Twitter uh, so just uh, type it's a uh, ECSO underscore EU on Twitter and on LinkedIn uh, you should find us as well directly just with ECSO uh, and myself I'm on there as well as Nina Olesen, Uh so I'm happy to connect with anyone interested in, uh, in learning more about uh, the work mentioned today And finally, I would just, if I could just the shameless uh, plug, tell people that they can go uh, on our website to our membership page if they're interested in in their organization or entity to become a member of EXO and to participate directly in our activities.
0: Again, this all will be on the show notes. I've been talking with Nina Olesen from uh, ECSO. Nina, this was very, very good. Uh, Thank you so much for talking to me. Really illuminating and a lot of challenges here for our listeners to follow the importance of cybersecurity. So thank you again for talking to me.
1: Thanks to you, Ricardo. It was my pleasure.
0: I'm back. Just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher and you feel like it. Give us a five star review In that way you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by Elf for this first week of November. On the 3rd of November, we're going to have Elf Communication Network happening at the Elf office in Brussels. With top-tier trainers and communication experts from EU institutions, this event will have a professional training focus to amplify the impact of EU and national organizations. Then, on the 5th of November, we have the workshop Environmentalism plus Capitalism – Happy Growth. This will take place at the Fondazione Luigi Naudi in Italy, in Rome, following the publication of the book with the same name. To know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast. It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament. And the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>